Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Mind Your Love, a podcast about taking action on your mental health. Uh, it's me on my own this week, but uh, Mara will be back soon. And it's an Irish mental health charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online and it's free to everyone in Ireland. Yeah, welcome to an episode of Mind Your Loaf. Uh, now, this week is a little bit different. We don't have Mara with us. Uh, she's not with us uh, because she has a, other family engagements going on right now. So uh, we will hopefully have her for the next episode. So this episode, we have uh, a man uh, by the name of Paul Murr. So first of all, hello, Paul Murr. Ca- can you hear me in the COVID interview? Hi, Jason. I can hear you loud and clear. This entice for joining us now. Obviously, like so, what I'll what I'll do during this whole interview, uh, Paul, it's quite loose. We just talk about what you do, and yeah. a lot of times, uh, the information I have is uh, not right. And uh, you go, I don't do that at all. What are you talking about? So you are Paul, uh, the director of psychiatry in, Tr- in Trinity College. Is that right? No, uh, I have to deny that see? straight away. Already, um, there could, we go. Could, so give I us a title. Serious tro- I could get in serious trouble if I said yes to that. Okay, no, what, what, I, what is it? Then? I'm not. I'm I'm the, the, the course director of, of uh, clinical training in psychotherapy, psychoanalytic psychotherapy, which is based in the Department of Psychiatry. Oh, my Trinity God. Well, yeah. well, you see, I wasn't that far off, but I know you all need your titles. <laughs> few, exactly. Yeah. A few a few pay grades off as well, Jason. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you work from Trinity, but you do stuff in UCD as well and lecture yeah, all around. I, I visit and lecture in UCD and, and different mm-hmm. parts of Trinity as well and various third level uh, institutions, mainly teaching um, psychoanalysis and neuroscience. Right. OK, so what I mean, basically how this uh, this podcast works, Paul, is that I was thinking about going back to university, but I thought I haven't got time. So I bring people like you in and I just ask you loads of questions. So, so first <laughs> off, what, what is, what is neuroscience, Paul? What is that? Uh, neuroscience is what is one of the sciences um, that focuses mainly on the, the, the nervous system. Um, okay. uh, so which involves uh, 
not only the brain, but also we have a, a peripheral nervous system um, and a central nervous system. So it's really about how information gets into our bodies um, from the outside world um, okay. and also about how information about our bodies, uh, our visceral organs, uh, and that is communicated to, to our brain. Um, so we, in neurosciences, and as neurosciences is a, is a big family. Um, yeah. And so you've got neurophysiology, neurochemistry, neuropsychology, and then various different uh, subdisciplines within neuroscience, again, that focus on particular parts of the, of the nervous system. So it's a very broad family. Um, yeah. So the, the, the piece that I'm interested in most is the, the neuroanatomy, which is the different parts of the nervous system and the brain and how they link into subjective experience. Uh, you know, how, how do they relate to our mind or, or experience of ourselves? Okay. And so, no, no, I get it. I get it. And you're going, okay, does he get it? Because like, <laughs> I hear neuroscience and all I, I mean, all I ever heard it was like, it's okay, it's the brain. It's, it's like how yeah. the brain's working with like all the neurons and the makeup of the brain and the brain cells. And the, so, but the thing is like, can, can, I mean, the thing about the brain is what, what I'd love to know is like, is can, can we, can you, can we control our brains in any way? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, what I'm trying to say is uh like, I know we control, like our brains control us, you know, mm. as in like, it's, we want to pick up that phone, we go for it, we pick it up, we bring mm. it back again. But is that us controlling that motion or is that the brain controlling that motion? It's a bit of both, not to give you a kind of a fudge of an answer. Um, no, no. But, but I think the, 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 the safest thing we can say is that we can control parts of our brain. Um, okay. So the way, the way in which the, the, the brain is structured um, and it might be helpful to maybe just talk about the evolution of, of the brain and the nervous yeah, system. Um, cool. Because that really leads, links into the functionality of, of how the nervous system works. So we, I suppose, our, our earliest um, experience of, of consciousness, if you say, uh, uh, goes back something like 525 million years ago when we, when we separated from the vertebrates. So all vertebrates have a tiny little structure called, and there's a few kind of names that, starlight, that, that sound like Star Wars characters here, or Star oh, yeah. Wars planets, but um, <laughs> the, the, there's a tiny little structure at the base of our brainstem, and it's called the periaqueductal gray. And what that simply means is it's the piece of tissue that goes around a, an area of water, which is our spinal canal. Okay, so it's, it's the wow. lowest part within the, nerve, the brain, um, yeah. in the brainstem where consciousness exists. So if you if you were to have a lesion, if it was get damaged, it's lights out, consciousness is gone. All uh, right, so if you uh, cut that yeah. you're you're not dead, but you, you but you'd be unconscious. You'd be unconscious, yeah. And you would die you would die pretty soon after that because that's that part of the brain helps to regulate all your, your autonomic Organs. processes like yeah, breathing and and need detection and, and all of that, that kind of stuff. So at that point we have a very basic fundamental uh, experience of a good feeling and a bad feeling so it has a it has a front aspect to it and it has a, a back a posterior aspect to it if you stimulate the back part of it you you the person experiences the, the most dreadful feelings of of horror of fear of pain yeah um and if you stimulate the, the front part of it a person has the most exquisite pleasurable feelings ever or orgasmic feelings but so how it's, are- 
How is it actually being stimulated? Like, like how how is how are we actually operating that? Because it's it's we're not operating it. It's very passive. It's very much a passive system. So it's okay. kind of sitting uh, around the the spinal cord, um, and it's receiving inputs information from the external environment. So oh all, my God. all the data from the external environment, all all our senses are channeled through the spinal cord and all the information through our cranial nerves and they all come up through the spinal cord and there's there's data detecting sensors that hive information off of that. So, so are you saying that it doesn't come through the eyes into no. the brain? Because well, that's, through, that, yeah, it comes that's through what a lot eyes. of people, people would have thought that it's all coming through the eyes into yes. the brain. Yeah, no, um, it, it, it comes through the eyes initially, but then the, the optic nerve travels down in a really kind of circuitous way into the spinal cord. That's one, mm. one path. It branches off, though, into the back of your brain, into what they call the, 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 um, um, the primary visual cortex. So okay. you've, got, you've got an old pathway that goes down into your, sp- your spinal cord and information is received there. It's the same for all, your, all of your senses, um, with the exception of smell. Smell is hardwired directly into uh, your limbic system, which is a part of the brain that deals mainly with emotion. Um, so that's really Whoa, interesting. This is this, about, is yeah. this is lit- I literally had. I've looked it up. I tried to see what you did. I had no idea that it was like. I literally have no idea that this is what happened. Like this is fascinating. And do we okay. have? And can we? Because a lot of people believe, like you know, we control our emotions. Like it's it. A lot of people will say, "Well, if you're feeling down, that's because you're making yourself feel like that." Mm. Or if you're feeling happy, that's because you're making yourself feel like that. Mm. Which kind of blends in what you're saying is what you're seeing or smelling or hearing. But let's say I smell something I don't like. I, I can't really go, I like that. No. Can I? No. But, but can I control my moods, though? With my, you, can with... lear, you can learn how to control them. Yeah. Um, uh, initially, when, we are, um, when we're born, okay, so maybe I'll just go back a little bit. When, we, when, you, talk, when, I, when you ask me about vision and, and eyesight, so there's a... There's a part of that pathway, if you like, that branches off and goes directly into the cortex at the yeah. back of your the back of your head, where all your your visual data is processed. And there's this other branch that goes down into the the, the brainstem and the spinal cord. It's the same for for hearing, for touch, for taste. Um, all those senses travel the same way, and they all have pathways that go into the cor- cortex and pathways that go down into the lower brain, the subcortical areas. When we're we're born, um, the subcortical areas develop first. So they're they're front-loaded, as it were. So all these um, areas that receive the information, they they don't generate images. They don't generate conscious images. So you you need your cortex um, to generate a conscious image, a mental image of something. So your your visual image is um, is uh, an internalized representation of the external world. It's not actually how the external world looks. It's only a representation of the external world rendered through our senses. Okay, so our okay. senses turn it into an image that we can we can see. It's the same with sound. It's the same with touch. Um, so all, all objects in the external world that we can see are, are representations of that. They're in images. Oh my like God. That. So they're, yeah. they're like, it's almost, it's like data going into your head. Yeah. And then it just goes, well, this is what we think it looks like. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. actually that, terrifying. There's a, there's a, there's a big that, debate in, in philosophy around, around that. But yeah. We kind of know that that's the case from neuropsychology. So if you, if you have a part of that, of the cortex knocked out, uh, it relates to a particular type of image, whether it's um, like horizontal lines or vertical lines, uh, you can no longer see horizontal or vertical aspects of, of imagery, or you can have half of your, your visual field knocked out of the cortex. The opposite cortex is, is, is damaged. So we know that there's a way in which our mental image that we generate is, is represented in the cortex, is, is represented by the cortex. And so as um, you were saying uh, earlier on, which the same, we're still on the same uh, topic here, was that are we able to change the way we think uh, you know, because a lot, of, a lot of people who'd be listening to this, because this is like a, you know, mind mm-hmm. your loaf, mental, it's all about mental health and well-being. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people listening in, including myself, would go to therapy. And some people believe that therapy can change the way you think because it's actually changing your thought patterns up there. So yeah. like, let's say, let's say like my dad, like, okay, so he, he passed away about four months ago. He's a great fella. But it it looked like there was no matter how much therapy we ever did to my for my dad, he was always going to be doing the same thing, wanting the same thing, moaning about the same stuff. And my dad used to say, "There's no therapy that could ever change me. You must be joking. <laughs> I'm an old dog." So is that yeah. like a myth? An old dog, new tricks? Like can can? So what I felt that when I went to therapy, I don't know if it was uh, if it's if it's actually happening to me or is it just because I went to therapy and my brain is going, this is the way we should be thinking now. Like, mm. is is it a clinical thing? Almost like uh, Paul is. So I've I've always wanted to know is is clinical depression a real thing or is it just something that we make ourselves feel? It's a very it's a very real thing. Um, now there, there there are debates between say, maybe psychotherapy psychiatry different branches of medicine and how they understand that and how yeah. they how they label it but there, there's no doubt about the fact that if somebody is clinically depressed and feeling depressed that's a very real thing but what so, is what is clinical depression though it's it's a it's a paralyzing sense of sadness is probably the best way to, to, to put it okay. okay and it can be it can be grief um it can be um as a result of anger um, but really, the, be- the best way to put it is like an, an extreme sense of, sa- of sadness. But can you be born like that? Is, is it, is it- you, you can, we, have, um, we have kind of individual um, set points and, and tendencies towards uh, certain kinds of temperaments, certain kinds of, um, of moods. Um, so you can, have a, you can definitely have a kind of a, um, a, a, a pre-tendency, if you like, to be to be more sad or more happy. So we all have kind of biological set points around happiness and, 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 and sadness. But clinical depression is a different thing. It's not just being sad. It's it's something that, that is paralyzing to, to people um, and shuts them down, and it affects their their motivational systems, um, yeah. which is a very a very important part part of the whole um, if you like, the whole neurobiology of the, the brain so, and, the, and the mind. So there's something physically happening in their brain when that's happening. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. not like, and because there is people in the past that have, um, like this William Glazer fellow, he was into choice theory. Like that's, mm-hmm. he was saying sometimes he believed that people were choosing to be like that. So he was saying, for example, if you went for a run and while you were running 
And while you're actually running, he was asking his clients, like, are, like, are you actually depressed when you're physically running? And they went, well, uh, no, they didn't think they were. Mm-hmm. And then he went, well, then when you're not running, you could be choosing to be depressed. But mm-hmm. for me, and then there's some, like, it's great to talk to somebody like you, because mm-hmm. a lot of people listening in will think, like, do I have mild depression, clinical depression, or what is it? But it's great to hear that you're saying that clinical depression is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, this is, I mean, it's it's tricky to get into the whole kind of the the diagnostic categories uh, 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 around this. Um, like when I work, when I work with people, if someone comes into me and they have these these symptoms, they're presenting with you know extreme sadness, you know uncontrollable crying, uh, they're they're paralyzed, they feel so bad that they can't get out of the bed in the morning, things like that. Well, yeah. we, we start to work on um, like a history of their life, and you try you try to figure out the, the way I work. Um, and the way a lot of psychoanalytic people work, it's really on the premises that there's there's a trauma of some kind that has, in some way, um, not been resolved, uh, and yeah. that, that can be relative, you know, across, across different people. Um, and in in some way, in kind of ad- addressing that trauma and trying to, um, if you if you like, um, understand it uh, a lot better, it it can help people to move more out of that depressive state. So. There's a, couple, there's a couple of things that happen. Um, and this, just to link back into that, the whole idea of, of running. Um, and what Glaser doesn't really get at is the idea of how your physiology changes when you run. Okay, your, your chemistry changes, your biology changes, different yeah. systems in your Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Brain get activated when you, when you run when you're active. There, there's a there's a hormone that's generated when you um, when you're active when when you run particularly if you exercise. Uh, for more than 20 minutes with an elevated heartbeat, uh, you generate uh, a hormone called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. And what that's like is, is, is like... Is that like endorphins? Is that basically like, endorphins? It's, kind, it's, kind, it's a hormone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of like endorphins, but it's more specific in terms of it targets a part of the brain called the hippocampus, which is involved in, in memory and learning. Um, and 
it's like fertilizer for uh, for the brain. Now, what that for the hippocampus? Now, what that does, the hippocampus is like a gateway into your thinking mind. Okay, so it allows the thinking part of your mind to work more efficiently. Okay, so if you if you exercise uh, yeah. regularly, you 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 kind of um, you improve your 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 chances of learning um, through through the system. Now, cortisol, which is another type of hormone, which is related to stress. When there's a lot of stress released and persistent and chronic stress in the system, it has the opposite effect to this BDNF and has the opposite effect in the hippocampus and it shuts down the hippocampus, which is the part of the mind, which is the, the gateway to the part of the mind that can think and that can, oh my God. That can, that can problem solve and strategize and reflect. Um, and this is, this is very often what can happen uh, in, in people with severe uh, depressive episodes, they're, they're shut down. Well, what um, happened to me, so, um, let, let, just to see if you can just to say, so recently, yeah. like, whatever, my dad passed away, um, and the now I'd be quite a positive fella. I'd always trying to do stuff. Mm. Uh, then the COVID kicked in, and we, you know, as a comedian, whatever, I lost all my work. Like, all my gigs are gone. Uh, I, I'm not going to have another one probably till January. But what I'm trying to say is that um, I was fighting my brain almost. My brain wanted to shut down. It actually was going... I'm shutting down here. I can't take any more yeah. uh, it's bad news or stress. But mm-hmm. some people, like, you know, I thought, you know, my brain really wanted me to get into bed and just go, do you know what we'll yeah. do here? Because we, I often hear that phrase, your brain doesn't do what's best. It does what's easiest. So I want to just get into bed. But so right now I just, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this podcast and doing, trying to get other stuff, but I'm actually fighting. But I don't know what I'm fighting, Paul. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can yeah. feel this kind of, this kind of almost uh, cloud trying to come over me and push me down all the time yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm getting constant like bad news if you know what I mean yeah and yeah. so it's probably what's chemically is it must be chemically happening inside me is that yeah. what's going on well first of all Jason I'm very, I'm very sorry to hear to hear about your dad and um, you, yeah. you know and it's 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 a very that in itself is a very difficult time for people so what what you've just described um, are layers of, of trauma. If you like, mm. so grief, uh, you know, bereavement is is a massive trauma. Um, COVID uh, is a massive mm. trauma on a, on a scale that we've we've never experienced. No. Um, and you know, losing your losing your work, your income, your way of life is also a massive trauma. They're they're pillars. They're all kind of pillars of your life that have just been pulled out from underneath yeah. you. Okay, so in 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 our line of work, we would refer to that as like cumulative trauma. So it's one trauma after another. And they're not, by the way, insignificant traumas. They're major <laughs> traumas. Okay? Yeah. So the way in which the, the brain and the nervous system works and the mind is that it's constantly trying to predict um, the environment. It's constantly trying to keep us safe. And we, we go back to this idea of these maps that we've generated. We have maps in our, in our minds, and there's a, there's a neural correlate for, the, for these maps um, that really kind of uh, map out an environment, the map, our, our relationship to an environment and um, we you know we we kind of we all optimize those maps in a way so they they just become part of who we are and part of how we live our lives you you pull one of those maps out of there or you put you 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 put in something uh, a major anomaly uh, mm. in relation to those things something cha- something massive that changes around any of those things your 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 system goes into kind of a stress response straight away to try mm. to figure out, okay, what's new here? What's different? What's changed? 
to try to bring about some kind of certainty. Now, there's only so much in a cognitive sense that we can actually process. We're, we're quite limited in what we can process. So if you have one trauma after another, and particularly the way they're layered, mm. um, you know, your, your response might be, for, and it's going to be different for other people, um, might be actually, well, let's just, get, let's just stick the head down here uh, and yeah. try, and recover, try and recover. Yeah, you know? I mean, a lot, a lot of people, because yeah. a lot of people listening will be going through that right now because yeah. they would have lost their course, jobs yeah. and yeah. they're all just going, oh my God, I don't know what to do. But yeah. can, it, I mean, can therapy change that? Like, you know, I mean, I feel for me, I mean, I haven't actually been able to go to therapy because of the COVID, but it, it, can it actually fix, fix me? Do you know what I mean? Or fix people who are, who are in that like horrible depression state because a lot of time people think, uh, you know, a lot of doctors will describe, uh, prescribe, sorry, drugs as a kind of a quick fit. But that's grand. I'm not like, yeah. I always hear that like a drug, um, you know, I don't put down drugs. I just think whatever's needed to be done. No, like, either. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to whatever has to happen. Yeah. But um, is, is, is therapy like the one number one type of fixture you need to go to? Or is it exercise? Or is it vitamins? Or is it your diet? Okay. Or like, you know, which, which well, is... Okay, well, what, what we do know from, from outcome studies that there are, there are several factors that contribute to successful outcomes in therapy. Um, and again, it's back to this. Uh, therapy is a kind of a form of learning, if you like. So mm-hmm. it's about optimizing your opportunity to, to learn. Um, yeah. So eating clean, um, you know, trying to avoid processed foods is one thing. Exercise, yes, 20 minutes uh, a day or more uh, if you can. Um, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, it can be walk, brisk walking or, or you know, yeah, walk swimming dog, or whatever. Yoga. Yoga, yoga or meditation. Okay, so those, those I, three, thing, those three I, things yeah. bring about the best outcomes in therapy, plus the person's capacity to engage in the therapy and their, their, their willingness to be oh. open. And to work, yeah, to work in the therapy. Those are the big factors. And if you have that, and, and, and people can do that to varying extents, you know, but if you have those four things there, your, your, your outcomes, uh, the, the research suggests, your outcomes uh, are likely to be very good. That's, what's, the four, what's the four things again, Paul? In get, in get, well, okay, diet. Yeah. So, you know, eating, eating clean, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no, no particular kind of diet, just trying to avoid processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, exercise, so 20 minutes uh, or more a day. Whatever. Again, that feeds into this piece about the, the BDNF that I talked about, increasing your, your, the part of your, 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 your brain that's linked to learning. Um, yeah. And um, yoga or meditation. Okay, so they, they, dampen, they help to dampen down your, your nervous system and your stress response. So all the time what you're doing is there's another structure in the brain called the amygdala. Okay, which is which is responsible for emotional learning, really, but me- primarily fear uh, and stress. So all of those things that I've just mentioned dampen down the amygdala, and they they in some way kind of um, uh, you know, waken up the hippocampus or open up the hippocampus. So you're you're trying you're kind of regulating those systems that yeah. give you the best opportunity to to learn to regulate yourself to calm yourself down and therefore then to think to get your thinking mind back online. Um, and then it's about the fourth thing is your your capacity to engage or your willingness to engage. And I'm, I'm just a little bit careful about using that language because uh, some people can't, and it's yeah. not about willingness, and it's not about not working just, hard enough. But and again, that 
that ties into the fit between the person and the therapist. You know, so that's really yeah. Important. Now listen, really, I've got I've been about I I actually went through I probably got to a, about four therapists before I really clicked. Yeah. I, and then I just all of a sudden went, yeah, they're totally on my wavelength. Now I get it. Now I know yeah. what I have to do. Yes. But I was, yeah. I was very confused before that. And I'd be a very yeah. open-minded dude, but yeah. I just, I just c- couldn't really connect with them. They were trying yeah. to tell me and I was going, I don't really get what that means. Yeah. And then, uh, it was brilliant. I went into a great therapist and the first thing she did, she had listened to me and then she sat me down and her first words were, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> which, oh, which you, was, you, you knew where you stood then straight away. Yes, yeah. that was, I went, all right, okay, I'm family therapist, she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But, but here I found this, uh, was, was asked to ask you, what mm. is uh, epigenics? Epi, is that how you say that? Epigenics. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. Okay. Um, epigenetics is a, it's a relatively new discovery within uh, the neurosciences and it's um, it, it used to be thought that um, we were a product of our genes so it goes back to this kind of this, this old kind of question in, in psychology and biology um, which is the most kind of um, is, is it nature or nurture okay. okay is it is it our genes or is it our environment so with the discovery of epigenetics um, it opens up this possibility, but we, 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 we now understand that it's a mixture of both. So it's how our, our genes interact with our environment. And our environment can turn on and turn off certain genes. Well, okay. So, yeah. okay. so um, the classic example of that is uh, the gene for, for type 2 diabetes. Okay, you might have the, the gene for type 2 diabetes, but you might never meet the environmental circumstances that would turn it on. Okay, so you could be a very, a very active, very healthy person, um, and um, that that will, um, you know, you, you you won't meet the environmental factors that will kick in the the type two phenotypes, which is the metabolic syndrome and and, and all of that. Um, so there's some there are some genes that are kind of immutable, like your you know your hair color and your eye right. color, and they're, oh, not, they're not affected by. <laughs> I know, I understand. Uh, you, know, you can't tell, but any the ginger too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, and, and um, you know, I suppose um, there are there are factors then that turn on and turn off uh, genes around resilience and stress response, um, yeah. and they they influence what we call the the um, the protein um, expression of circuits. Okay. And, and neural tissue. So you, you, you can have envir- an environment that's very stressful um, and it can, over a period of time, it can affect, affect the genetic expression of certain characteristics in mm. people. Okay, so it can, so if, if a child, they've done some really interesting research uh, in Canada around this where um, they've looked at kids that come from lower socioeconomic groups and they've, they've monitored them, monitored them in, in kindergarten, as they call it over there. Yeah. And, um, They've they've, stra- they've tracked their stress responses, um, and they've how a very interesting way they've they've taken samples of their their teeth, their first tooth when it falls out. Um, wow. Instead of giving it to the tooth fairy, the, the the psychologist takes it, brings it off, and and, me- and measures it. So your your tooth enamel is a, is a is an expression of how much cortisol is, is circulating in your system, and what they found your life. Was, like yeah. all your life. Well, yeah. So go, yeah. go on, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So what they, what they discovered was that the kids that were from the lower socioeconomic groups had 
the most amount of cortisol circulating in their in their systems and that ended up having uh there's a lifelong study you know and they tracked these kids um, across their lifespan and all those kids ended up having more heart disease uh and being involved in more crime um more art- arthritis cancer um less successful in relationships, less successful financially. Um, and there's a, there's a very strong correlation. But is that, so that's not, so that's an actual makeup that got nothing to do with their society. Like when they're growing up, I mean, if they're taken out of that society and they manage to get out of there, are they still yeah. going to have those traits? Um, yes, they'll still have those traits, but if they, if they meet a, a good, a good enough environment, it can help to alter those traits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's like so we, we, so, so we to, yeah. So we so the yeah. brain can constantly change. Yeah, there's there's two aspects. Remember, I talked about the cor- the cortex, yeah, which is the, the it's the most recently evolved part of our brain, um, and then there's the subcortical areas that are in evolutionary terms much older. Um, they're harder to change. They're quite they're quite fixed, um, and so we have we have kind of behaviors and and, and traits that are inherited across evolution. So, uh, like your emotions, for example, like anger, yeah. fear. We we don't learn how to be angry, and we don't learn how to be frightened, and we don't learn how to hate or to lust. You know, they're all, they're automatically built into into our systems. But we do learn what to be angry at, yeah, or what to be afraid of, and that's that's more cortical. So the cortical part of our brains are more, are more plastic and more receptive to the environment. And they, they can they can change. Oh my god, that was amazing! The great Paul Moore. Oh, I tell you, I don't know. Look, we have had to edit this podcast down majorly. Like we could have listened to him for hours on end. I had like most of the stuff that he said I had no idea were actual things like you know that we actually have to meditate do yoga and do exercise and do but only bits of stuff we don't you know we don't have to go too mad so that was Paul Moore um so I just think there might be a there might be a session too for that <laughs> but god thank you Paul Moore for coming on mind your loaf so you've been listening to well me Jason Byrne there's no Mar this week but you'll be back soon and this has been mind your loaf if you like this episode please subscribe and tell your friends and don't forget if you or somebody you know is going through a tough time there is professional mental health support online from counselling to support groups all available for free to anyone from Ireland turn to me.ie thanks for listening everybody and mind your loaves especially your brain which is your loaf turn to me provides professional mental health support ah uh, Jason lo- oh. do your uh, you know your ad voice oh yeah I'll do the yeah, ad yeah. okay oh. I'll do a proper ad okay. thing okay ready yeah as a registered charity turn to me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time from one to one counseling to group and peer support turn to me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland if you would like to support turn to me you can donate 4 euros by texting turn to me to 50300 text costs 4 euros turn to me will receive a minimum of 3 euro 60 service provider like charity helpline 07 Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me. Okay. There. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 